Church audio podcast. Crispin Schroeder here. The title of today's message is From Darkness to Light. We're going to be looking at a very familiar passage from John chapter 3. And just another quick reminder we've got video devotionals for Lent that are posted to our website every day, Monday through Friday, through the Lent season. So if you're interested, go check those out. All right, well, that's it. Let's go ahead and head to the talk. North Shore Vineyard Church, downtown Covington. Thanks for listening. Uh. the most famous passage in the Bible for people in America in the last 50 years would be John 3.16, right? You ever seen like football games, somebody holding up a sign that says John (laughs) 3.16? You see, you know, bumper stickers, t-shirts. It's just a verse that is everywhere in our culture. For God so loved the world that he gave his only son, that whosoever would believe in him shall not perish but have everlasting life. That's a great verse. And I, I know why it's so popular because it's kind of like, the, do we have, how many, how many Twitter people do we have in here? Yes, we are a hip church. <laughs> All two of us. <laughs> Twitter it's it really Twitter's just kind of like you're you're just watching famous people have a conversation. You know, I don't really get it that much myself. Um, but the thing on Twitter is, you can put any statement on your, you can tweet anything. That's what we call it, tweets, not twits, tweets. Although there's twits that tweet. Um, but if you're if you're tweeting, you can only use 140 characters, and so if you have something to say, you got to figure out the most economical way to say it with the fewest amount of characters and words, and that's kind of like what John 3:16 is. It is a small, it's a it's a, a, a small verse that is filled with all kinds of meaning and importance. But here's the deal: a lot of people don't realize that John 3:16 was not one of Jesus's public teachings. He wasn't you know, out telling the masses all this stuff. This actually happens in the, in the course of a conversation. And the conversation was, is with a guy named Nicodemus, who is a spiritual seeker. And he's looking for Jesus and trying to, to find out what Jesus is about. So in John 3, uh, so, so we're going to find that actually John 3.16 is a part of a context. And it, it has to do with a relationship. And I think when we actually look at the context, we're going to have new respect and maybe a little bit different understanding for the verse that is going on here. So I'm going to start in verse 1. It says, Now there was a Pharisee, a man named Nicodemus, who was a member of the Jewish ruling council, which is called the Sanhedrin. He came to Jesus at night and said, Rabbi, 
We know that you are truly a teacher that comes from God, for no one could perform the signs you were doing if God were not with him. Nicodemus comes to Jesus at night. Why do you think that is? Well, it's because Nicodemus is one of the movers and shakers in the uh, religious community. He's on the ruling council, the Sanhedrin. These are the people that uh, anything having to do with Judaism in, in Jerusalem, the capital of Judaism, it, it, it comes through the, the Sanhedrin. And a lot of people think that, that Jesus and the Pharisees were like these two opposing groups, and it's easy to get that impression because oftentimes Jesus is in conflict with the Pharisees. He's calling them whitewashed tombs and you know, telling them to get the plank out of their eye and stuff. But if there's any group in the first century that Jesus was close to, it would have been the Pharisees. You know, I, th I think of, I'm, I'm, you may have noticed on occasion that I'm, I'm fairly critical of evangelicalism in, in modern America. But it is not because I feel like evangelicalism is this whole other group. It's my tribe. I've grown up in evangelicalism. So I'm critical because I care. Uh, and Jesus is, is, is very critical of the Pharisees, but he's not far away from them. But the truth is, one reason that there's so much tension between Jesus and the Pharisees is because if what Jesus is saying is true, then it's going to mean things change a good bit for the Pharisees. They're going to lose power. They're going to lose prominence. And they've been around for about two centuries at this point of the story. So, so we see that Nicodemus is coming to Jesus under the cover of night. He's kind of sneaking over there. He's not coming to one of Jesus' public meetings and saying, Jesus, what do you think about this? He's sneaking out to hear Jesus. And he opens up with, with, Rabbi, we can tell that you're of God because nobody could do the things that you're doing apart from God. And I can see at this point Nicodemus is about to launch into a question, but in total Jesus style, Jesus just throws him off and answers a question he isn't even asking. Ever, does God ever do that to you? You come to God with a question and God answers something you weren't even looking for. Well, that's what happens. <coughs> Jesus said to, says to Nicodemus, Very truly, I tell you, no one can see the kingdom of God unless they are born again. And Nicodemus is thrown off. I'm sure Nicodemus had a list of questions that he wanted to ask Jesus. And he gets hit with this, you can't even see the kingdom of God unless you're born again. And, I'm, and he's just, what? what? And so his very next reply is, well, how can somebody be born a second time? I mean, we're going to try to figure out a way back into the womb, you know. And he's, trying to th he's, he's just not on the same page. And, and Jesus says, very truly I say, no one can enter the kingdom of God unless they are born of water and spirit. A lot of Bible scholars kind of disagree on what this is. Does this mean water baptism and belief in Jesus? Does this mean uh, being born uh, just of a human being first and then born of the Spirit? But either way, I don't think it, it makes a whole lot of difference. Flesh gives birth to flesh, but the Spirit gives birth to spirit. You should not be surprised at me saying you must be born again. The wind blows wherever it pleases. You hear its sound, but you cannot tell where it comes from. Or where it is going. So it is with everyone born of the Spirit. How can this be? Nicodemus asked. And, and, and I just, I read this next part as Jesus' sense of humor. He says, wow, you are Israel's teacher and you do not understand these things? 
Very truly, I tell you, we speak of what we know and we testify of what we have seen, but you people do not accept our testimony. I've spoken to you of earthly things and you do not believe. How then will you believe if I speak of heavenly things? No one has ever gone into heaven except the one who came from heaven, the Son of Man. I'll stop there for a moment. <clears throat> In the prologue to John's Gospel, John chapter 1, uh, John talks about... Uh, it talks about the light shining into, into the darkness, comparing Jesus to the light. And the light has shone in the darkness, and the darkness cannot overcome it. And then it says, And Jesus, being the light, came to his own, but his own did not receive him. But to those who did receive him, he gave them the right to become children of God. So that's how the, the prologue, the intro to the book of John happens. And this is very important because... That's kind of big picture, poetic language of what's about to go on. But now we see in this story, this is exactly what happens. Nicodemus has come out of the dark into the light of Jesus. And now the question is, will he embrace the light or will he go back into the dark? Actually, we see this story repeated over and over with different people in the Gospel of John. It's a story of light coming to people, and will they respond to the light? Will they come out of darkness and embrace the light? Jesus goes on to say, Just as, the, as Moses lifted up the snake in the wilderness, so that the Son of Man must be lifted up, that everyone who believes in him may have eternal life. In him. If you go back to Numbers 21, uh, there's this story. The, the Israelites, they're going through the Exodus, they're out in the wilderness, and there is a plague of snakes that are biting them and killing them. And Moses goes and pleads with God, Lord, please stop this thing. We're sorry, we've been rebellious and all this stuff, please. And God tells Moses, go make a bronze snake and put it up on a, on a staff. If, if you're. Uh, you, you may have seen like doctors have this, this staff with a snake on it. That's where that comes from. It's actually a biblical thing. And so Moses does this. He puts this, this bronze serpent on his staff, and everyone who's been bitten by a snake and who's about to die looks at this snake, and they're healed. And Jesus said, in the same way, the Son of Man must be lifted up. He's talking about himself. In the same way, Jesus is going to be lifted up. And, and, and this is probably pointing towards the cross, Jesus is actually going to be lifted up in front of everyone. But I think what this also says is Jesus' vocation is the great physician. We are all sick from the sin of this world. We're broken people. We are in need of God's mercy. We can't figure this thing out by ourselves. And Jesus has come as the great healer to heal our sickness, our sin disease, to, to, to put us back together. And that's his vocation. We're going to see a little bit more of that here in a second. So finally, we come to the passage that is, is so famous. For God so loved the world that he gave his one and only Son, that whoever believes in him shall not perish, but have eternal life. For God did not send his Son into the world to condemn the world, but to save the world through him. Whoever believes in him is not condemned, but whoever does not believe stands condemned already because they have not believed in the name of God's one and only Son. This is the verdict. Light has come into the world, but people love darkness instead of light because their deeds were evil. Everyone who does evil hates the light 
and will not come to the light for fear that their deeds will be exposed. But whoever lives by the truth comes into the light so that it may be seen plainly that what they have been done in the sight of God. So Jesus gives this, this whole, all kinds of answers to questions that Nicodemus hasn't even asked. And, and, and Jesus is trying to tell Nicodemus, you're coming about this the wrong way. You are a guy who knows a whole lot of stuff. You've spent your whole life, you know, being serious about God. I think this is one of the great struggles of pastors. <coughs> uh I bump into, I think pastors uh, and, and Bible scholars and theologians are some of the people that struggle the most with, with doubt and faith. And they don't struggle with that stuff because they're trying to find some way out or they're rebellious or they're trying to disprove God. They, they, they struggle with doubt because they're so serious about searching for God, you know? And I struggle I struggle with faith, and I struggle with doubts all the time. And I, I, I share some of those struggles with some of you. And some of you are like, man, I didn't. I'll, I don't know if I should share this story. I'll share it. There was once a lady who showed up at a, a thing we were doing on a, on a Monday night uh, a few years ago, a little Bible study. And she had been a missionary over in, in, in South Korea. And for several years, and she was just back on her break. And she'd come out to this thing we were doing on Monday nights a few times, and then she, she shows up one Monday night, and uh, about 30 minutes before everybody else, she said, can, can I talk with you? I said, sure. She goes, well, I'm, I'm really struggling with doubts here. And she just picked me on a day. It probably wasn't good to ask my opinion about doubts. <laughs> It was this particular week when this guy up in, I believe it was Cincinnati, had been found out that he had locked three women up for, for a decade and sexually abused them, tortured them. And finally, they, somebody found out and released them. And she said, she told me about her doubts. I said, you have doubts? Let me tell you something about doubts. These three women that just escaped this house, I've been taught to believe in, 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 in growing up in the church that if, if these three women, if none of them prayed the prayer to Jesus to get forgiven of their sins, what they're going to face from God is going to be worse than what they face from this guy who sexually tortured them for 10 years. And she got real quiet, and then I'm like, I'm the worst pastor ever. <laughs> I struggle with those things. These are the kinds of questions that I, I have Sometimes my mind goes to some very scary places when I try to contemplate the love of God, the justice of God, the mercy of God, sin, redemption, how it all looks. I wrestle through these things. But thankfully, I've got a church like you, you guys, where I can, you know, share some of these things. And nobody's kicked me out yet. I think it's helpful that we start the church there. But I've got all kinds of pastor friends of mine who can never share their struggles with faith with anybody else because they are so invested in it and that's their paycheck and if anybody knew some of the thoughts I was thinking they might fire me for being the pastor I think that's kind of what Nicodemus is feeling here 
He's a guy who has taken religion so seriously that he has worked his way up to be a part of the Jewish ruling council. And he's got a, a, a place of prominence and position. It's his lifestyle. It's his vocation. It's what he does. He's a pillar in the community. If he goes after Jesus, he may lose it all. And I just don't know if I can do that. And I know pastor friends of mine who are terrified to let anybody in their own churches know some of the things that they're just wrestling through. And honestly, when they, some of them share the stuff, I'm like, I don't think anybody would. I don't know their churches either, though. But Jesus tells Nicodemus, if, if, you, if you embrace what I'm doing, it's going to be like starting over, like being born a whole second time. And I think this new birth thing, we typically think of it kind of in terms of it's a spiritual starting over. It's not just a spiritual starting over. You're starting from scratch. You're starting like a little baby who is completely dependent on God. you got to learn how to talk, to walk, to, to, to learn the love of God. All over again. It's going to feel like starting all over again in many ways. But Jesus says this is the way to get to, to life. To embrace the light. To say, you know, God, I'm terrified that if I come to the light, people are going to see me for who I am. How many of us walk around in shame and fear just terrified that if anybody knew what we struggled with, whether intellectually, whether it's an addiction, if anybody knew the kind of thoughts we think, if anybody knows the, the kind of things that had tempted us, we just figure like, they, oh man, they would kick me out. They would ostracize me. And how many people carry these cumbersome, heavy struggles with them all the time, and they may even show up to church week after week. They don't really live in the light because to live in the light is vulnerable. It's scary. It feels like everything you are, everything you have might just fall away. And we resist that. Nobody likes to be vulnerable. But I can tell you in my own life, I feel like I've had many conversions along the way. I've had multiple conversions. I mean, there was one, the time when I said yes to God the first time. But there have been many conversions along the way. And most of those conversions had to do with me coming to the light. Letting someone in on my struggle. Saying, you know, this is where I am. I am not, I'm ashamed of this stuff. I feel horrible. But I don't want it to hold me. I don't want to be this kind of person. I don't want to live in the dark. I want to live in the light, even if it costs me. But Jesus says here, I love this, because going back to the, to the imagery of the snake on a, on a pole that, that they would look at for healing, Jesus is the great physician who is here to heal us. And he says, look, I didn't come into this world to judge you. The Son of Man's not here to judge. I'm not here to, to judge everybody. I came here to heal you, to free you. The Son of Man did not come into this world to condemn the world, but that the world would be saved through him. What is Jesus saying? He said, hello, you're already screwed up. We, we tend to think, we think of, of, of God being like a, a, a demanding authoritarian father who's like, you know, every time we do something wrong, you know, he's ready to beat us with a stick or something. 
we think of God that way. I think that's the natural way that people think of God. Like he's a bearded, you know, white guy in the sky with, you know, with a stick, and he's just ready to beat us down at, at anything. But here's the deal. The judgment is actually in the sin, right? God doesn't have to judge you for every sin. You, the judgment is in the sin, you know? If I want to go mess around on my wife, you know, I'm going to find out pretty quickly. It's, it ain't all that I fantasized in my brain. She's going to kill me. It's going to be <laughs> broads are the way to destruction, right? No. Uh, the, 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 the destruction, the judgment is actually in the sin. And Jesus says, I've come not to judge you. You're already living condemned. You're already living in a world that's broken and destroyed. You can't fix things and you're messed up and your relationships are messed up. and You're living in a messed up world. I didn't come to judge you. I came to heal you. But I ain't going to force you to be healed. I ain't going to force you to be healed. And this is where the ball is in our court. We can do nothing to earn the love of God. God loves you as much now as he loves you on your darkest day where you're doing the worst stuff in the world. His love for you does not change. It does not ebb and flow. He loves you as much now as he does on your best day when you think you got it all together and you can quote scriptures backwards and forwards. His love does not waver. There's nothing you could do to earn it, but you do have to respond to it. You do have to respond to it. Because until you respond to it, that love is doing nothing for you. Until you come to the light, it does nothing for you. And so the question I'm, I'm asking today, for all of us, you know, we talk a lot in this church about, we use this analogy about centered set, you know, where we put Jesus in the middle, and we ask ourselves the question, where are we in relationship to Jesus? Are we moving towards Jesus? Are we moving away from Jesus? I don't know what happens with Nicodemus. There's only a couple of other places in the scripture where Nicodemus pops up again. Now, it seems like Nicodemus is moving towards Jesus because in John chapter 7, the, the Sanhedrin is trying to get Jesus arrested, and, and Nicodemus stands up for Jesus a little bit. I mean, he doesn't stand up a whole bunch, but he's like, come on, guys, let's be reasonable here. Shouldn't this guy be able to, to you know, offer a defense on his charges? And then the next thing that we see is after Jesus is crucified, there's a guy named Joseph of Arimathea who uh, donates the, the burial place for Jesus. And the guy that is walking with him to that cave where Jesus is going to be buried is Nicodemus. And he's bringing 72 pounds of, of spices to be buried with Jesus. Now, different people speculate. This story, it's a kind of an, an ambiguous story because... We don't ever see Nicodemus in this story kind of coming to the place of like, Paul, I've seen the light, I'm ready, I've decided to follow Jesus, no turning back. The story kind of ends a bit ambiguously, but I like the ending because I think it puts us all in the same place. Am I living in the dark? Am I living in hiding? Is my life ruled by shame and fear? Or am I willing to face my fears of being rejected 
of being found out? Am I willing to, re- to embrace, you know, break through those things and embrace the light of Christ? So the question I have for you today, the question I have for me, where am I in relationship to Jesus? Am I moving towards him? Or am I trying to live a life in hiding? Am I embracing the light and am I, am I living in the light? Or am I withdrawing? And if I'm not living in the light of Christ, why is that? What is the fear? What is the thing that, that I'm afraid of? Some of you, you've been Christians decades. Maybe today's another conversion experience. Maybe here's another day where you just say, God, I'm a broken mess. And I am looking at you for healing today. I need you to save me today. And I'm not talking about like eternal destination. I'm just talking about you need help right now from Jesus. He's here today. God is here with us today. And I really believe uh, if you want to move towards the light, you're going to find him right there with you today. Now, I don't do stuff like this often. But just to prove to you, I am an evangelical. <laughs> I just want us to take a moment and just to, to bow our heads. And I just want you to ask the Holy Spirit where you're at with Jesus today. Come, Holy Spirit. Come, Holy Spirit, lead us to Christ today. Lead us to Christ. God, I pray a hunger for you would exceed the fear in our hearts, Lord. God, I pray for those who are weary, those who are broken, those who are about to give up could just go ahead and give up today, Lord. And trust you with their lives, God. Come, Lord. I just want to ask the question this morning, if with everybody's head bowed, if, if you're if you're in here and you just say, Man, I, I need I need Jesus today. I want to live in the light. I want to respond to him. I want to follow him. I just want you to raise your hand right now. All right. See you. See you. Yep, yep, yep. All right. Okay. Thank you, Lord. I'm just going to pray a prayer, and I want, you, I want everybody in here to just repeat this after me. Today, I choose to live into your light, Jesus. I give you my fears. I give you my anxieties. I give you my apathy, Lord. I 
I ask you to heal me. Every broken thing within my heart. Every place dominated by fear. Corrupted by shame. Twisted by lies. Bring your healing, Lord. Set things right within me. I thank you that I'm forgiven. And I ask you to make me whole. This day I live into your light. And I'm not ashamed of you. Because you are not ashamed of me. Holy Spirit, empower me to live loved. To walk in the love and the light of God. Amen. Amen. Well, we're going to go ahead and close. And, and maybe, you, maybe you're in here and you prayed that prayer. Maybe it's the first time, or maybe you just you just feel like you're you're returning to faith in a sense, and you want to talk with somebody about that. Um, I'll be up here at the front, and we'll we'll have a few other people from our prayer team, and uh, we would love to talk with you if you want to. So, God bless you guys. And 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 by the way, there I, I, we've got some little devotionals you can check out on our. I'm putting them together Monday through Friday, little video devotionals. They're about five minutes. Uh, if you want a, a little help in your day, I ain't going to say that they're going to help you, but they might. Um, so you can check those out. God bless y'all. See you later.